0: Good morning. How is everyone this morning? All right, we are glad that you were here this morning. And you uh, kind of went through the rain and the floods and the waters and all that stuff. Because uh, so you definitely you got a lot of love. But God is good amen. all the time. God is good, amen. Well, let's stand up this morning and we're uh, going to go ahead and... I think just start the morning singing an, an older song. Yeah, we're gonna let you guys just kind of uh, shake hands with each other and fellowship with each other as we sing this first song. So let's shake hands, make everybody feel
1: welcome. Here we go.
0: Will the take now? Got
2: Now, uh, we believe that uh, each one of you, members and regular attendees, are an important part of Skyline, and we seek your input as we do that. So, take one, and pass them down. Uh, if you are in that uh, category, everybody hear me, okay? All right. The fact that you are a member. the only thing that we'll know about you. There's a uh, a spot the top where you can uh, check one or the other. This is entirely confidential with the exception of that. And the uh, search committee will be the only ones knowing anything uh, about you, so in that sense, okay? Uh, Please tell us your opinion, your expectations, and or your preference. It's very, very important for us to help us get your input and understand where you, our church, is at. While you complete your survey, I'll share a couple more items. We have decided to bring in an interim pastor to provide continuity from the pulpit. That's something that was a question that we had, uh, and... uh, it was a unanimous decision on the part of our committee to proceed in that direction. We've already received uh, information on one or more candidates for that interim role. We're fortunate uh, to have Mike who will preach uh, for the next two or three Sundays at least. So we've got some complimentary there. And uh, hopefully within that window of time we'll have the man selection and in place. Again, prayer, pray for us that Satan is down from the lives of each man on the search committee, our families, and the church as a whole. I believe Satan is already trying to disrupt, disrupt within our church. Pray, prayer will keep him out. Also, continue to pray for patience on our part. In your heart, I would say, and unity. This can be a period of great growth and unity if we as a church will continue doing our jobs individually. And you know where God's placed you? In His service, and I pray you will achieve great fulfillment in doing so during our service period. Again, a few scriptures I shared last week. James 5.16b. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man available much. 1 Thessalonians 1, or 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Once you've completed your survey, Please pass it to either end of the aisle here, and uh, members of the search team. I'll ask if you would help uh, help us pick those up. it is confidential, and we want to keep it in our south Thank you for your support and your encouragement during this process.
0: We're gonna just sing a little bit while you guys are finishing up with that, and then we'll uh, continue to worship. This yes, is still worship, so if you want to sing with us while you're filling that out, that's not
1: came down and rescued me love came down and set me Sit and let your Christmas day in
0: Through this time, as we're searching and looking for a master, Father, there's even more reason to just pray for you to search after you see your face. We want to do that this morning. Lord, as we are here this morning, we want to give back to you because you have given us so much, you get a supply for us so abundantly. The Lord, is our turn to give back to you this morning. Father, I pray that you would search our hearts, Father, that we would give from the abundance that you have given us now. And Lord, that we would give sacrificially this morning because you made a perfect sacrifice for us. Lord, we love you, and we give you thanks this morning. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Guest speaker with us, and this this man um, has been a friend of mine for several years now. In fact, I became on staff seven or eight years ago at a church in, in Woodlawn, Tennessee. And I met Pastor Joey Kilburn, who was the pastor at that time. And we grew to be really great friends. And even after my time there, I was there for about five years with him. We, we moved on, but we are still tremendous friends and we just a great relationship. I don't a lot of churches, a lot of people leave churches, and they really can't say that about their, their pastor, or whoever they work with, their staff member, but I still consider him one of my best friends. And his name Jody Kilbert Jody, come up, give us a message this morning. Okay.
2: Well, I noticed in your, uh, in your bulletin that you have a debt reduction goal, so if anybody would like to know stories Pastor, administrator, I will be happy to tell those to you for donations to your pet reduction. Uh, uh, the good ones will cost money. Um, some of them are just a few dollars. So, and I'm serious. Let me uh, let, let me show you something and explain something before I get started. Uh, let's just make a little bit more sense to you. Now, this is a picture of Franklin Graham. Uh, Where we're from, Tennessee, uh, the Billy Graham Association is is coming, uh, Franklin's coming on the 18th of May and doing a crusade, uh, so there's been a lot of preparations for that, a lot of uh, prayer, a lot of planning and things that go into uh, a very large crusade. It's going to be thousands of people, and uh, the county that we live in, in in Clarksville, the Blue area, is uh, almost 90% lost. It's very, uh, very lost. It's a young community, and uh, the average age of the person in our county is 28. And we ordered for Campbell; the average age of the soldier there is 24. Uh, last year, we were number two in alcohol-related uh, accidents and incidents in the state of Tennessee. In our county, uh, there is a, a great need for Jesus there. And so, uh, when we put some things together, I knew it was coming here, there's of Mike and Candy, and Missy Addison. I thought, well, yeah, I can preach and that would be a wonderful thing. And so my my intent, uh, my intent, listen to my words, was to to preach from Philippians 2. I was joking with a brother there earlier about encouragement and things like that, and that's exactly what I intended to to do. But I can't begin to tell you the difficulties that I had in uh, attempting to prepare the message out of uh, Philippians chapter 2. It got real difficult real quick, uh, almost in the sense of God was saying, what are you doing? You know, if I would have wanted you to preach from Philippians 2, then I would make this much easier for you, but I'm trying my best to put a roadblock every time you read this passage and go down this road, and so uh, I won't admit how many times it took me to figure that out. Uh, I tried very much to uh, prepare that message again and again and again. In the meantime, one of our founding church members passed away. I'm and a half years old, so playing history and all In the midst of all this, I'm praying, and it's the middle of the week. I like the front load of my week, and I'm going, "Hey God, this is uh, I got things I got to do here, and I need some help." And God said, "Yeah, I've been thinking about that, and so uh, why don't you start listening?" And uh, this will get a whole lot easier real quick. And so I figured it out. And uh, so this is going to seem like a really weird message to you from the guest speaker, but I promise you, uh, this is the easiest message I've prepared lately uh, once I actually listened to the Lord. And so. It flows out of the mindset all the time, uh, preparing for this Franklin Grand Crusade, as, uh, as we, we want lost people to be saved. But more than that, we want to see the church be the church. Not just someone who attends worship services and listens to songs or whatever. We want to, we want to see this church that we read about in God's Word. We want to see the church that uh, has power. We want to see a church that, that Christ fears over lost people. And so this, this decision of America Tour is supposed to produce that and I, I've been thinking and praying myself and I think probably the only thing that's going to do that, it doesn't matter how many times Franklin Graham comes from Partsville, Tennessee, if, if people won't repent, Franklin Graham is gonna do a wonderful job and make a lot of money spent and a lot of preparations made, but if people hear what Franklin Graham says and they don't repent, it's actually, a, in many ways, a waste of time, and efforts, and resources. And I will tell you that the, the church in America is much different than the church outside of North America. When you go to places outside of North America and you talk to Christians who don't live here, who are actually persecuted, they're all about the gospel, and they're all about listening to Jesus, and they're all about repenting of their sins. It's here in America where everything is comfortable that we struggle with. And so I this up front with you this morning when I guess it's all returning being a church that is one of repenting. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, I want to ask you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 13. And uh, when you find Chapter 13, Verse 22, Stand, so I don't know that you're there and I won't start reading about you. You can read about eight verses for our scripture this morning, and then we'll sort of make our way through those. Most of them, if you have a red letter Bible, will be red letters. These are the words of Jesus speaking. In the passage Luke 13, verse 22 through verse 30. We stand to honor God through his word. This passage tells us that he went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, More, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence and taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God that you yourselves cast out, people will come from east and west, from north and south, and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some of the first will be last. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning uh, simply, Lord, that you would prick our hearts in regards to our relationship with you. And Father, this morning you would might see fit to make us sensitive about where we stand with you. If we're saved, truly saved, if we're lost, if we're seeking if we once walked closer with you than we do now. Lord, show us all those things. Open our hearts and our minds to your spirit this morning that we might be changed by you. And equipped by you to go and serve you better. Lord, bless our time together. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give me One of the things that... Uh, that I'm being more aware of how to spend some time with making the preparation for this Billy Graham crusade. They share stories of all the places they've been. And last year, and since we were in election year, they traveled every capital. Many of you probably know this. And they just had a out in every state and every capital. And the stories that that have been shared with the pastors and the people who are planning this crusade are one that are uh, a little bit. Threatening. To, to hear uh, what, what they heard as they traveled across uh, our country. Uh, to hear the Billy Graham crusade talk, they, they, they use the language of the hour is late and it's time. And I, I can't say that I don't agree with it. I think there's a divine urgency in the air and I think that repentance by God's people is the only hope for the future of our country. I don't think we found ourselves today as we are today as a nation that the church does not play a role in that some way, shape, or form. Uh, maybe you never thought about that, but I believe that is absolutely the case. Now, I'll give you a couple of reasons why uh, I believe what I believe. Really three, uh, before we even get started this morning. I talk to pastors all over the world, friends with pastors out of the state. I'm really close friends with lots of pastors. And uh, when you hear them talk, they speak of an incredible uh, amount of sin coming from God's people. The people who claim the name of Jesus, who come in the walls of their church, uh, there's just a ridiculous amount of sin going on uh, inside the walls. And he said, as I spoke with one pastor, I'm quoting him here, they show little sign of understanding the seriousness of it. This pastor was struggling about what to do with the amount of sin within the walls of his church. He said, they don't. That would be one of the reasons why I say what I say. The second one is simple, that there is an ignorance of scripture. We are Bible readers, we don't have a clue what we're reading. There are stories. Uh, one of them may come to, to mind uh, over the weekend. Uh, those are, right? Uh, many people, that's a Bible story. It's modest kids from the time. Little. It's a Bible story. We're gonna have a, a Bible lesson on a story. Well, let me just tell you, that story was about punishing sin not about how cool Noah could build a boat. It's about the fact that God had to punish mankind and start all over again. I've been asking a little child about Noah's Ark, and they tell you that part of this story. It's all about the animals. Two by two. That's all the scripture says. It's two by two for some. It was seven, many others. You know how many adults have dumbfounded by that thing? What do you mean seven? What said. So there's an ignorance of scripture. There's a loss of uh, much needed spiritual leadership, too. Uh, take that for what it's worth. The scripture we have in Luke 13, As we just move down a few more chapters, we get to verse, uh, chapter 24, and we see Jesus saying this. It says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, This is Luke 24, 45. Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Now that sounds a little bit like Acts 1 verse 8. But the message is repentance and forgiveness of sins. That's what Jesus is saying. As he up, He's opening up their minds, He says... To understand his and he said, look, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise from the dead. And what I do, repentance and forgiveness of sins must be proclaimed in my name. Start here, go everywhere. I mean, it's that passage that sealed that I should preach on to repentance today. But genuine repentance is, is, is a return to God on God's terms. When the church repents today, many times you and I try to find a ground where we, we find it acceptable to God to come back to heaven. Well, it never works that way. You can't come to God for salvation that way. You can't come back in repentance that way. You must come to God on God's terms. If we'll do that, we have an opportunity to both personally and corporately be transformed. I think the church needs that today. I know this church needs that today because every church needs that today. In this text, Jesus is passing from one city to a village, it says, and uh, he's teaching and then he's moving and he's making his way over, like, toward Jerusalem. He's asked this question, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Now, you can put that in your own words. He's asked, so, somebody from the crowd said, hey, Jesus, is there going to be a bunch of people saved? Just, just, a, just a handful. We don't, we don't know. Who cares? Maybe you'd know. And Jesus says, this is, this is I can't even say this word anymore when Donald Trump is president. Every time I say huge, I think of huge how he says it, so don't think of that, think of this the answer that Jesus gives whoever asked this question is huge instead of getting this man his answer to satisfy his curiosity he, he confronts him with the alarming truth about his eternal soul and he says this in verse 24 uh, just strive to enter through the narrow door uh, for many I tell you, you will seek to enter it and will not be able so the answer to the question of how many people are going to be saved, thousands, millions, millions, we don't know. Uh, but we do know the Bible provides some sobering insights to you, and I'll share some of those with you this morning. Uh, Jesus is preaching on the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 7, and he gives a contrast between a wise man and a foolish man. And so that's, uh, that's 50%. 50%. A little later on, Matthew 13, he tells the parable of the sower. And the count of that is 1 in 4. That's 25%. Matthew 25, Jesus tells the parable of the 10 virgins. 5 had it figured out, 5 did, it, and we're back to 50%. That statistic gets a little bit better when the parable of the talents is told, because it's 2 out of 3, so we're up to 66. But if you had average of those out, it would being the number of you think. And so, then we get to the issue where Jesus is dressing sheep and goats and you can draw whatever conclusions you want there, there's no ratios given, but the point is there's many outside the kingdom of God. wheat and tares, however you choose to look at it, there's not as many getting in as we think we're getting in. That's the fact. So with all these parables, what is it that Jesus is ultimately trying to communicate to us? And maybe one to take taking more serious than we do. Maybe being a church is more important than being a church. Maybe being a servant of the Most High King is more important than wearing a necklace that would associate you with the Most High King. Maybe a bumper sticker ain't near as important as it is what you do with the vehicle that the bumper stickers are written on. You know, Paul writes to young Timothy and he describes the different times in the last days and he speaks to people who have a form of God in us but not its power, now, I'm just telling you, and uh, you might not invite me back after this, and we'll just have to shake hands and that'll be okay, but that is the 21st century church. We have the form of the church. There's no power in the church. If there was, here's what I can tell you, Clarksville, Tennessee would be safe today. If there was Branson, Tennessee, every church in Branson would be full. Today, if the church had the power that was supposed to have, this church would be full. This empty seats right here, the one would be full. The bleachers aren't full. The whole bleachers would be full if the church had the power that it was supposed to be. If we prayed like we should pray and on. So, Paul, this is actually about 18 sins here from his letter to Timothy. Lovers of self, one is a bloody, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and unloving, and reconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters are good church, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God. I'm so glad Paul stopped. That's a long list. He just described us. Mess up. Now, we don't think of ourselves that way, but I promise he's talking about the church. I had a pastor tell me one time, a country pastor this, in Tennessee, this country, and he said, that list ain't nothing more than people who have fooled themselves. I said, yeah, that's good. they got easy. So, hey, look, then I didn't tell you that. That list is people who fool themselves. That's, that's what it is. Mark chapter 8 says, these, these, these people who have never taken seriously the words of Christ when he said, if anyone wishes to come after me, I, I promise you, this, this is us today. If it's not you, then God bless you because you haven't figured it out. You're the minority, but not the majority. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. That's the church. You can't be in charge of your life. You don't have to give up being the boss of your life when you come to Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't run your life and let Jesus run your life in the same way. It doesn't work. You can't serve two masters. You can't be in charge and Jesus be in charge. And if you want to get to heaven, your life has to go away. That's what it says. So, so what you to hear me this morning? It, it, it is impossible to go two ways at one time. Try it. Jonah will take your wife to the hall, right? You'll head toward the tool school, and she goes the other way. Right? This, this, if you ladies are going to the pools, you know, that that's awesome. I'd like to learn a bit more about how to get your wife to go to the pool. So what do we do? Look, I think we got to make a choice. And that's where we're in. That's where Branson's in. That's where Clarksville's in. in. We have to make a choice. We've got to stop coming to church. At some point in time, we have to decide, am I going to be for God or am I going to be against God? Look, you have no better time to make that choice right now when you're, you're selecting your new pastor. You have to decide, church, are you going to be for God or are you going to be against How you decide will very much impact whoever you're selecting and the, the future ministry of, of, of your church. So what do we do? I think we ought to look to the prophet uh, Malachi who says, return to me and I'll return to you. Says the Lord of It's just that something. The day is here where the lost have to repent and the saved, the church must repent and return to their first love. The lost people need to understand the wages of sin is death. That's just it. That's not me judging you. I was there. All the sin, that means I was there. That's where you're at. Church spoke forth word better than you. Someone who says, I'm saved, isn't better than you. They just figured some things out that you haven't. But you can't. Look, it's not enough to say, I repented. You've got to be able to say, I am repentant. What are we praying of? Our sin. True repentance is not something to be accomplished in a moment of time. And I think for years the church has called, like, if you repent of your sins and you get saved, but like, you, you have repented. But guess what? If you're like me, when I got saved, I was six years old. You know, like, my mom, I went home that day. And she said, hey, go do that. And I said, I don't think so. I need to repent again. Repentance is a lifestyle. We, we must live it out. It, it's not a once and done forever accomplished thing. It's a continual attitude to which believers have to live. day after day, month after month, year after year, I am unceasingly repentant, and the more I repent, the more I understand I need to repent. You say, man, you must be a heathen. The Bible says there is no one good, no not one, won. and it tells me as I read it that my heart is desperately with me, and on my best days, when I think that I have got it all figured out and I have lived a good pastor's life, I'm reminded when I close my eyes, but by the grace of God. You did it with my help. Too many a day are without the fear of the consequences of their sin. We just do what we do. And because there's never been any light that come down out of the sky and strike us, although there's a few in I thought it was going to be true. It's okay, I mean, God's never thumped me yet, I've never had to experience it just right here and now, but that's just not true, we, we're supposed to fear God, and we're supposed to fear the consequences of our sin, not knowing or caring about what God thinks is wrong, and here's what you've got to understand Christian, if you're following Jesus Christ, if you gave your life to him, if you ask him to forgive your sins and save you, then, then you have to understand he has the right to regulate your conduct and punish your infractions. You should go walk In matter of fact, the scripture says, the life you live, you no longer live for yourself but for the one who, who saved you. The lost live as their own, and they believe themselves free to do whatever they please, and the church sometimes acts just like them. I want to make something clear to you uh, this morning. The, the biblical doctrine of, of repentance, it hits us all on the, on the fact that all sin is grievous to God, not just the big ones. Southern Baptists were greater at pounding the drum of abortion and homosexuality, but you know what? Your lives put Jesus on the cross just as quick as the homosexual. Your your uh, your lusting after the opposite sex puts Jesus on the cross just as quick as the lady who chooses abortion. Online. And it's ridiculous. All sin is grievous to the Holy God, the big ones and the little ones. And we have to understand that none of us here today or anywhere for that matter has a right to offend God. It's particularly if he has saved you from the pits of hell. So the reason I'm preaching lay on tents is because the word is still in our vocabulary, but it's seriously misunderstood. Carelessly disregarded. I you mean, some reasons for why, mean, as a pastor, I think that. But uh, and, I, and I hinted about these in, in the beginning. But there's a general disregard for biblical doctrine in the church. The church wants to function as the church sees fit, but the church can't function as the church sees fit because this book tells the church how to function. Right? We don't get to pick and choose what we want to do. You might be able to form this committee or that committee, but ultimately, this book is the guide for all committees. This is the committee guide. This is the pastor search guide. It is the buildings and grounds guide. It is. Everything and all things. So, well, folks don't want to believe that; they want to believe whatever they want to believe. But the doctor tells us we can't do that. There is absolute truth. Those are the church who sincerely believe in repentance, but well, we don't emphasize it. The church has become very good at going, "Amen, preacher, true, very good, brother." Yes, repent. For the kingdom of God is That was John the Baptist's message. That was Jesus' message. That was even the apostles' message. Yes, yes, yes. When was the last time you were serious about doing it? Which last time you were on your knees before God going, cleanse me? We don't even the converts that you they don't understand, they don't practice it. Third reason really is this is a failure of the local church to understand the mandatory nature of repentance. I think it's non-optional. Does everybody understand anything? If you forget everything else I said today, please here today going, to you know, the pastor and I, uh, that guy from Tennessee with no hair. That guy's right. Repentance is not an option for me. I have to do it. When you sin, you're gonna ask God to forgive you with all your heart. I'm sorry. That's not repentance. Everybody understand? Repentance is literally a military term. It is an about face. Literally, you're, you're facing away from God, doing things you're not supposed to, and you, you do an about face and you move toward God. Intentionally of your own will. We're, we're taught in the New Testament to put off the old self, right? That's not God's responsibility. To put off your own sinful self, that's your responsibility. Repentance is mandatory. It's not optional. You cannot turn to Christ without ever turning from your sins. You can't return to Christ without turning from your sin either. To believe even a second that sinners can turn to a righteous God without turning from their unrighteousness this is the, the sort of the height the of the theological sin. Psalm 81, we read this. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to the of God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave the Lord to the stubborn Hearts. To follow their own counsels. And the psalmist writes, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. You could just take out my people or Israel in that song and insert your name or Skyline Baptist Church. Whatever you want to put in there, and it's true. This is the 21st century church. And I want you to know something because it's a fact. This is a fact. It's very simple. this is. You can get this off the internet. In every season when the church has known greatness, it has also known faithfulness. And in particular, faithfulness to the doctrine of repentance. There would have been not even a single great awakening, let alone a second great awakening, had the people not been faithful to the doctrine of repentance. The church is not going to be what the church is supposed to be today, unless we are faithful to the doctrine of repentance. And what that means is when you sin, you must repent. When you sin, you must turn from your sins and turn to God. When you sin and you turn to God, you must do whatever is necessary not to find yourself in the situation that caused you to sin again in the first place. Every lost person who's ever been saved has done so because they repented of their sin. They did so in faith. Is repentance. Every, every backslider who's ever stopped backsliding has done so because they have repented. Had they not repented, they are still backslidden. Every Christian living a successful, and blessed life today does so because they practice repentance. And the question then becomes, do you think today, this wet, raining, muddy day, that God might have brought a man with the Tennessee to get you to turn from your sin and go back to the Lord? And some of you may be like, oh, I'm not comfortable with this. Is, this is the gym and not the sanctuary. And I'll tell you what the presence of God is. He's got a sanctuary. And God does not reside in the wall of the church. He resides inside of us. The work for that's tabernacle. The Holy Spirit, when I got saved, got the tabernacles me right here. I go where he goes. He goes where I go. Let me give you some this about repentance. And I'll, I'll try to speed up. I don't have to watch it. Sorry. Some people believe sorrow equals repentance it doesn't, you can cry all the tears you want to, you can have all the sadness and misery that you want to, you can have all the regret you want to, that's not repentance, it's not, self-preservation is repentance, it's not, turning over a new leaf is not biblical repentance, defending yourself, you say well yeah, the no reason I sinned was because I was there and Bob was there and there was I was trying to keep thought out of trouble, you know I was desperate and driving or whatever, but we, we call that self-defense and that can't coexist with repentance. Repentance can't be selected. Like if you have 10 sins that you've committed, you can't go, well, God, today I choose to ask you to forgive me of the two and these other eight and I'm still thinking about. God doesn't forgive you those two if you're aware of those other eight and don't come to him with those other eight. He just looks at you and goes, not today. Come back when you're serious. Repentance can't be selected. It's all another. It's everything that includes that offends God. Repentance eliminates the consequences of sin. Some people think that. Why I'm repenting sin? I can't be punished for it now. It doesn't work that way. I had a conversation with uh, some teenagers one time about this, and I told them, if you choose to have sex before marriage, and your partner has a sexually transmitted disease, and then after the fact you decide, well, oh, God, that wasn't wise on my part. Please forgive me. Even if you genuinely repent of that, He forgives you of it. You still may end you know, up with a sexually transmitted. Sin. Someone who chooses abortion. Do you not think God will forgive abortion? Sure. Some of you in this room are are, are probably there. And you know God has forgiven you, but you know what? The consequences of that in the world, but if the homosexual repents of homosexuality and he he returns to heterosexuality, that doesn't mean there's no consequences of that. If you steal things from your work, if you go to your boss and say, I stole money or I stole whatever, you still might get fired. or dangerous in the land repents too. And I just promise you, the church has gotten really good at it. Let me tell you what happens when you, when you know that you need to repent. And even if you can't put your finger on something, you know your relationship's not right with God, but the only thing that will mess up your relationship with God is sin. That's it. Outside of that, you and God are like peas and carrots, just like corn in. Virginia But when sin is in, Everything gets messed up. So if you're not walking with God, if you're not as close to God as you once were, you don't have to wonder how you got that way. It's sin. And if you don't repent and you delay that, what happens is your heart your heart begins to get calloused and cold. I've watched it happen. There's a pastor, I've seen people who refuse to come the work and repent. Here's what else might happen. God sees a mercy for you, and they just pass you on by. for the drug addict with overdoses. I would say that fits that category because at any point in that time how you just stopped and repented. God would have shown mercy. But if you continue, at some point God's mercy passes you by. Your circumstances may place you beyond hope. That fits that, along those same categories. Sudden premature death maker. Every time you serve the Lord's Supper, you read about that and you read beyond just a cup of the bread. That's exactly what was happening there. We think it doesn't happen today. That's Bible stuff. That's Increasing pressure from society. Come over here and behave like this more. You're getting good at it. Maybe the worst thing of all is you develop a blinding pride. I've watched that occur too. I want to illustrate something to you with a story. That I'll, I'll try to wrap this up. But there was a, this is a true story. It's a dumb story, but it's true. This fellow had a rattlesnake for a That's pet. Let's anybody. Does anybody here have a rattlesnake for pet? Okay, we're well, good. I'm going to move forward to this. Six foot long rattlesnake, Western Diamondback. He has it as a pet, and uh, that's dumb. Uh, He gets dumber. More dumb. (laughs) Less He takes the six foot long Western Diamondback rattler out and puts it in the living room floor to chase his wife out of. It's a joke, right? So the wife runs away, and that was dumb. But he quickly goes to catch it. So he has a flake stick that he's had for years. It's a little wide, you've probably seen this on some National Geographic show, but they, they pin the snake's head down with this stick. And so this snake's upset because he was free for a brief moment. So he, he's got the snake's head pinned down and the snake's squirming. The six a so that's a pretty strong snake. Anyway, they squirming around, he's pressing hard, and the snake's rattle up. and he's pressing hard, and the stick breaks. His hand falls down. That snake bites him and causes him to lose his right finger. <laughs> Medical treatment have a snake the saved his, his life and his finger. Okay. What's the moral of the story? It's, I, I'm telling you, sin is like a rattlesnake. Okay, you can't tease it. You can't play with it because it's never satisfied until its poison gets injected into your soul. Does everybody understand that? I hope that you do. And I hope that you'll think about that. Let me ask you to do something and I'll read you a warning from when We'll be done. These, these are words of advice a to the other things I've seen over my years in ministry that... I want you to think about the magnitude of your offense, whatever that is. Whatever your sin is, and you know what it is. Some of it happened last night, sometimes on the weekends that occurred, people still scrolling the church. But I want you to think about the magnitude of your offense, whatever that is. I want you to consider what awaits you. Here's a God in heaven, this God that's in this Bible that we say we believe in. He's a holy God, and he's sitting on the throne. And uh, and I, I can't imagine why we don't understand this, but you wouldn't watch your kids sin and not get upset about it. You wouldn't watch your kids openly sin and do things that are bad for them and not intervene. You you wouldn't pick up the phone and say, Hey, you can get to my house, Here's a talk we need to have. You wouldn't watch your kids to do that, but we sort of act like we can sin and that God just, you know, looks around and doesn't see it. He's mellowed out in his old age, I think is about the church thing. But I want you to consider what awaits you. I want you to reflect on the goodness of God and how we abuse that. I want you to in your mind through the biblical examples of genuine repentance in your Bible. And this afternoon I want you to search the scripture for exactly where you think your hope and your help comes from. We think about the fact that our help comes from the Lord, but we sure live like it, it doesn't. I want you to cry out to God for a new heart. And I want you to believe in Jesus. Well, look, I didn't drive down here. I, I'll spend like time with Mike and Tammy even if I can, because you're great people. But God didn't bring me here and just to spend time with Mike and And God didn't really struggle over this sermon for as long as he did to show up as a guest speaker and preach on something that's thing. Yeah. So I'm here for a purpose. And I believe that you were here for a purpose. I want to read this morning with Peter to us, It from 2 Peter 2. And Peter's writing, he says, If God didn't spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to chains and gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment, if he didn't spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, the herald of righteousness, with seven others, and he brought a upon the, the world of young ungodly." If by turning the cities of Sodom and the Lord to Ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued righteous lot, greatly distressed by the sensual uh, conduct of the wicked, for as the righteous man lived under the day after day, he was tormented with his righteous soul, and the lawless deeds that he saw and heard, then the Lord knows how to rescue to God in the trials, and to keep the unrighteous uh, under punishment until the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despising authority. That's what Peter writes. The ultimate despising of authority is God's word. It is our ultimate authority. So that, I'm, I'm begging you this morning. Don't despise God's word. In just a minute I'm going to ask you to come. These chairs represent all author. And I understand this isn't a sanctuary, and, and I don't care. God's presence is here, and I believe that he spoken to you. Okay, and I do something simple in our church. It, 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 I figured out by watching another pastor you can't take care for it. But sometimes people come up front and worship God because there's confusion. So we'll make this really simple. If you come over here on what is my right and your left, uh, nobody will bother you. To just let me pray and you and God uh, deal with whatever you need to deal with if you come over here by these chairs uh, someone will come pray with you I promise you okay? so if there's a lady responsible a the lady from this congregation you have to go pray with her. And if a man comes up there or well, a man from this congregation you have to just make your way over. there, put your hand on their shoulder this lady and they turn around look at you I pray with you. Not my you? What, what can I do for you? Whatever. Because this is what the real <laughs> body of Christ looks like. So I'm going to ask you to do that in just a minute. Uh, if, you, if you're here this morning, and if you doubt where you would go if you put your last breath, and this is a great day for you because you don't have to doubt it anymore. And so if uh, when they play their song, you'll come out here and just stand right here. I'm going to stand right here. I will, I will I will show you in God's word what you have to do without knowing
1: it's that simple.